0: Paul Harris. Today, I'm joined by a person who doesn't really need an introduction, Rob McEwan from McEwan Mining. Good afternoon, Rob.
1: Oh, Paul.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Let's start off by talking about Argentina um, for, for a couple of reasons. You're in the process or you've created um, McEwan Copper and more to the point, you've just come back from a visit to San Juan province in Argentina um, where I understand you met with some of the, the, the local authorities there. Um, so let, let's start there. You know, tell me a little bit about your trip. Who did you meet and what sense did you get from them about um, um, th- this recent surge in exploration activity? in San Juan province?
1: Well, we um, met with the governor and the Mines Minister of San Juan province. Um, They're quite excited about the development that's being slated in the province. You have Alpachon, that appears to be moving forward. Um, Jose Maria, the same case. Um, They're looking to do development. Fortescue's in there exploring. um, Aldebaran's in there exploring. We've seen some of the majors looking over the border. Um, I guess I was emphasizing to the government, and they probably didn't need to hear it, but I was just emphasizing that with the politics in Chile and Peru leaning very much to the left and uh, looking at the mining industry and... In a way that might be considered adverse to them, um, Argentina is looking more attractive uh, and that uh, they really should be rolling out the welcome map to take advantage of this moment in time.
0: Well, this certainly yeah. does seem to be a, a good moment of opportunity for Argentina to sort of have its day in the sun, capitalise uh, and really benefit from this uh, all this interest that's coming. Uh, one, because it's got copper deposits that the world needs. But two, as you mentioned, the uh, the political stability in Chile and Peru is uh, under a bit of a question mark at the moment.
1: Yes. Um, San Juan looks like it's going to experience a mining boom. I mean, if you move forward on El Pachon and uh, Jose Maria, you're, you're talking plus $8 billion. Uh, so I don't think it's quite ready for it. Uh, as we've seen all around, the well, certainly in North America, there's a real shortage of uh, miners um, and the skills to, associated with mining. Um, and so there's a need to bolster that. We put some money into a local technical school to, in anticipation of our needs um, for training. But, you know, your drill rigs, you had a situation where mining went quiet for quite a while and now everybody's starting to come in and you need all these skills to go forward and, and they're in short supply at the moment.
0: I've, I've heard uh, some companies talk about there's uh, about 60 drill rigs turning in San Juan at the moment or there will be this year.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know the number. I know on our site we were looking for 10. We're currently five with another two arriving shortly. Um Everybody wants to drill right now.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about that, Rob. Um, You say you've got five rigs at the moment, another two on the way. How's the drilling going at uh, Los Azules, and what's the drilling plan for this year? What do you want to achieve with that drilling?
1: This year, we wanted to achieve 53,000 metres of drilling, of which 44 would be definition, and the other nine was um, dealing with metallurgy and hydrology geotechnical. Um, Argentina was closed for a while at the end of the year and the beginning of the year due to COVID. They weren't um, mine sites were being evacuated in some places. I know our operation, our joint venture with Hoshil in Santa Cruz province was uh, operations stopped for several weeks because of COVID there was just a high level of caution in there and it was difficult to travel in and out of the country Uh, but it seems to be normalizing now but you you just had these shortages appearing and delays that were unexpected okay they were common across the industry
0: thank you in, in your meetings with the government officials, did you sort of talk about uh, sort of tax issues, repatriation of profits issues, you know, the fiscal regime, <clears throat> what the government, local and national, is sort of thinking about there to potentially make things a, a bit more attractive for minors?
1: Um We had some more immediate concerns. We didn't broach that subject, but certainly it's in the press. And Jose Marina said, look, we're not going to go ahead if we can't get these. And I think that would be a very typical response of most miners down there, is saying, we need assurances uh, today to raise capital tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and they haven't, although there's a lot of words saying they, they can see the benefits of mining and they want mining and San Juan is a more pro mining district or province in Argentina than a lot of others. But you need to get at that the federal and the provincial government working together to say, look, if someone's bringing in money, we don't want it converted to pesos at the official rate when the official rate is only half of the uh, black market rate or the, the market on the street. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's investing with an expectation of making a profit and that profit, you have to be able to take it offshore out of the country. I mean, you're going to invest to build your property, but you need that freedom of movement of capital, which I don't think they're quite perfected yet.
0: Okay. Now, as you mentioned, you 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 participate in a joint venture in Santa Cruz with Hofschild. Does that give McEwen mining or McEwen copper a, a, a bit of a, an advantage in some ways? You know, For example, are you able to use capital generated from the mine there uh, in your exploration so you're not necessarily bringing money in and out of the country
1: we get a dividend stream from that operation um yes you could use the money in the country it's a semi-annual dividend usually so it's not regular but yes you could use we have been using it down there
0: okay thank you now um Obviously, you, the company recently reported its 2021 annual results uh, and you know, McEwen Mining produced 154,000 uh, gold equivalent ounces at an all-in-sustaining cost of about uh, $1,635 an ounce. And your guidance for this year is for, let's say, a bit better production and let's say a similar all-in-sustaining cost. Um, how do you see the sort of evolution of, of the company going forward? Um, what more, where do you need to get to before the company can sort of return to profitability?
1: We, we're a heavy spender of, on exploration, believing that both in Nevada and, and in Timmins, there's um, an opportunity waiting for us down hole. Uh, and both operate, well, Timmins has a short life. Uh, we did a preliminary economic assessment that we released, uh, late last year or early this year that suggested a nine, 10 year life in Timmins, um, attractive costs and, uh, increased production, but it had a payback period of just under six years and that's unacceptable. So the money we raised for, um, flow through funding is to try to expand our resource that we're seeing closer to surface and thereby getting into a pay zone faster and shortening that payback period to a three-year period. Um, so you have growth there. Um, we won't, because, um, because of McEwen Copper is currently a subsidiary of McEwen Mining and we're spending uh, up to $80 million to get to a pre-feasibility study, because it's a subsidiary, that is going to be considered an expense. So um, it'll frustrate the move towards getting a uh, an income statement that has a profit at the bottom. I think what you need to do is look at the cash flow from the operations, uh, because the uh, McCune Copper is going to obscure that profit number for a while.
0: Okay, thank you, Rob. Um, now. The plan is ultimately for um, McEwen Copper to be an independent sort of company under its own listing, what have you. And uh, if I remember correctly, that will happen as and when you're at that sort. Of, you get that pre-feasibility study out once that's completed.
1: It may occur before that. Um, the pre-feasibility study is about eighteen months away. Um, the end of next year, um, we are looking at doing a updated preliminary economic assessment. We have an economic assessment already that was done at $3 and it showed a a robust project at $3 copper. So at $4.50, it's looking much more attractive. But um, the drilling we're doing is to further define the ore body, uh, give it more, um, more knowledge about structural controls. Uh, All of the holes that were drilled on the property in the past were vertical holes and you'd like to have um, more angled holes in there to get a better structural picture and that's going on. Uh, We're also utilizing the services of Whittle consulting out of Australia and looking at various scenarios for optimizing the mine plan and they've come up with some interesting variations to what was in the PEA suggesting there's a a larger mine there uh, than envisioned in the, the PEA so we'd like to incorporate that some of the drill results and the other studies we're doing right now to, uh, up to update the PEA and that would be by the end of this year
0: an updated PEA end of this year okay thank you now um, obviously you've been in um, Within the gold sector for many, many years. You've, you've done many, many things throughout your career. Um, at the moment, we're at you know, very high gold prices of you know, $1,950 per ounce, give or take. And yet, there's this sort of disconnect with equities. Equities haven't really tracked the growth in the gold price. Um, what, what's your view on, on that, Rob? You know, why is that happening? What will it take for equities to sort of close that gap and, and more truly reflect the gold price?
1: It's probably much like, um, 1987 in a way that we had a, um, the stock market fell, uh, the gold market started taking off and the gold stocks followed for two days and then stopped <laughs> and followed the broad market down here. We've, um, and it wasn't until about six months later that the stock market looked or investors looked at the gold stocks and said, well, they're benef- benefiting from these higher metal prices and they're performing better than we expected and I think it's getting that price running through the income statements and you're going to see more people um viewing these air er- these areas as paying dividends you're starting to see the royalty companies paying um, some of the big diversified miners have paid some rather healthy uh dividends lately um and I think it's just going to take time for people to realize that there's a positive effect of higher metal prices on the earnings of most of the precious metal stocks.
0: So it's really a case of sort of sitting tight. That day will
1: come. And generating cash flow, good cash flow. I mean, you look at Anglo's dividend, uh, what Mark declared uh, on leaving. I mean, that, that was a big one. and BHP, the same um,
0: yeah, a few of the diversifiers. We're talking, sort of, you know, multi-billion dollars in, in dividend
1: payments. Huge. Yeah. And so, if you look, you look at the low-cost gold producers, precious metal producers. Um, they're bringing. There's lots of money coming in, and then you look at the high-cost ones, and suddenly they move from uh, the negative territory into the positive, and that's where you, uh, you get the enthusiasm. But the market was preoccupied with tech and biotech and other areas that seemed to have these gigantic markets and no one was paying very little attention to uh, the precious metals and the story that, you know, this is a place to be when you're starting to see inflation. And certainly, maybe it's the volatility, but that's general, that's across the market But when you see gold move $100 in the space of about a week up and then back down, um, it unnerves some people. I think there's maybe they lost their mind with COVID. I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I think uh, uh, another reflection on that, Rob, you know, people within the industry obviously recognize exactly what you've said. There there is this disconnect. At some point, the equities will hopefully catch up with the gold price. Uh, but given that, you know, people in the industry sort of know that, there perhaps has been a surprisingly, a surprising lack of M&A activities, because if that's the case, then, you know, surely people would think, well, I can buy a company X today, effectively at a discount. And, you know, in addition to the growth and the good performance, et cetera, as soon as the market, it, you know, they do catch up, I've got that additional 30% to the perceived value I see in that
1: asset. True. True. Uh, I mean, there has been some M&A, but not a lot. Um, maybe there's an element of caution amongst the uh, executive suite reflecting on the last time the M&A boom took off and what were the consequences of that?
0: I mean, it, exactly. But <clears throat> is there a danger that sort of capital discipline will become a, a sort of hindrance for the sector?
1: Certainly, you, you have you know, people stopped exploring and then they're waiting and thinking it's cheaper to buy an income stream than try to build a mine, uh, sort of going to the Glencore model. But now you have Glencore thinking that maybe they want to build out the chart, whereas always before that it was, no, I just want to buy an income producing operation. If that means the rest of the market's going to go that way when some <laughs> of the leaders are going that way
0: okay and um, so finally to close rob what, what are you most looking forward to this year
1: um well the biggest asset in our portfolio is McEwen copper and the los Azulas property i mean it it dwarfs anything we have in terms of size and potential uh, growth and value so um I'd like to see us getting our uh, pre-feasibility or our preliminary economic assessment up, updated and out um, in Timmins we're exploring and we're uh, hoping to define we think we can a larger or body close to surface that would allow us to put the pin in and say let's go forward on that PEA. Um, those will be the two biggest. Um, We've got a bit of a, the first quarter is going to be bumpy. It was due to COVID and some weather and some mechanical problems. And then we're we're looking good for the balance of the year. But I'm sort of holding my nose as we go through the first quarter right now.
0: I love that turn of phrase, Rob. Thank you. Um, well, it sounds like there's a, a few good things to sort of come apart from the, perhaps the first quarter later this year. So uh, I look forward to catching up with you again at some point in the future. Uh, McEwen Mining trades on the NiCI and TSX under MUX. Um, Robert McEwen, Executive Chair and Chief Owner, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. All the best.
0: And that's all from Mining Stock Daily. That's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more leader interviews soon.